0: Welcome to Fraud Busting. I'm Tracy Brown, the Fraud Busting Body Language Expert. I've spent the last 20 years reading people, uncovering secrets hidden in plain sight to find the truth in crimes, politics, and billion-dollar business deals. It's time to dive in so you can beat the fraudsters at their own game and build your bottom line. Welcome to another edition of fraud busting. I'm Tracy Brown and I'm so excited because today we have Terry Rich with us and I'm not going to be telling the fraud story this time because he was right in the middle of a whopper in the Iowa lottery. He was the CEO and led the team um, that cracked the largest lotto fraud in U.S. history. He's uh, a speaker like me, speaks at conferences and the author of uh, the $80 billion gamble. So uh, welcome, Terry. I mean, we've, we've seen you on TV. I mean, when, when we got in touch, I was like, wait a minute, I, I've seen <laughs> you. I, like I know you. And so this has been all over the true crime shows. And we're going to get the real story uh, about what happened and some of the things that people can really use uh, to just fight fraud that is happening right under your nose, right in plain sight. So well, I think go. that,
1: you know, before we get started, I have to say that what you're doing and what I'm now doing, I really didn't plan to be a, a fraud buster or somebody to talk about fraud or internal fraud, but how important it is. As a CEO, I often overlook the audits and the checks and balances uh, that are so important. And and what we're doing now is telling the story, and just saying thank you to those that our oversight because it is really important in an organization to protect your integrity
0: oh yeah everybody's in the business of fraud protection because it's right there under our noses and it happens to most businesses at some point along the way so um let's talk about your story why don't you start give us the give us the rundown about this lotto fraud like what was going on and then we'll get into how how it started to come to light that there was fraud and how you cracked it. So take it away.
1: Well, uh, it's a true crime story and it really started innocently enough because every day lotteries across America who are run by the state organizations, uh, have winners. And, uh, we had a winner back in, the, in the 2010, 11, quite a few years ago. And it, uh, no one came forward. It was for $16.5 million. And as we did the investigation, There are just little techniques and parts of our culture that just said, ding, 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 something is wrong here. And it started with a call from a lawyer in Canada who said, hey, uh, I have the ticket, so I'll send it to you. You send me the money. No, that didn't sound right at all. So we did some investigation. And, of course, in the lottery, there's a lot of uh, techniques. The ticket, each and every ticket has about 30 different security points on it. Oh, really? So that every time you touch a ticket and, and check your ticket or go into a convenience store, you're probably on camera or we have you registered that you've, you've done something. So we knew all the particulars of it. In fact, we knew what the person looked like who bought the ticket uh, because we had the camera. So that started all of the intrigue and all the investigation that didn't land just in Iowa, but actually spread across the entire United States.
0: Wow, because because this this game, it was the um hot what is hot lotto. Is that it's hot lotto? Yeah, okay. now hot lotto
1: is a game like Powerball. Powerball obviously is nationwide. Hot lotto had about twenty one states involved, but how it all ties together was hot lotto is run by an organization called the Multi State Lottery, and it's pretty simple, and it's a great organization. It it combines all the money when you buy a lottery ticket. Half of the money sent to the multi state lottery for prize payout, and then when a state wins, they distribute it back to the states who have the winners for that. So, the guy that was in charge of security for the multi state lottery, which included Hot Lotto and Powerball, was the uh, gentleman who decided to convince the leaders, uh, the directors of the lotteries across the US, to allow him to do this particular regional game by a computer. Unbeknownst to us, he had uh, programmed it himself and allowed himself to win one day a year. He had the opportunity to open the bank
0: vault. Wow. Okay. So this, was this your security fella? And his name was, I wrote it down, um,
1: uh, Steve Bogle. We had, we had oh. a couple three, you know, as, as you know, when you have fraud or you're doing over oversight and compliance, it isn't just one, it's a culture. And it started with our frontline receptionist who got the call when the guy said, I'll just send you the money. And she said, this doesn't feel right. We, Something doesn't feel right. Say something. So, she contacted our public information officer and security officer, Steve Bogle, and that's when they called this guy from Canada and said, "Hey, uh, h- how you doing? Congratulations." He said, "Yeah, I just I just want my money." And and they said, "Well, what were you wearing?" And he said, "Well, I was wearing a tweed coat, tweed pants, and I'm 68 years old." Ding, ding, ding. He didn't realize that we had the video. We knew it was a three to four hundred pound person in the 30s or 40s. Uh, so uh, the CIO, Barry Neubauer said, well, it didn't look like you on the video. And he just kept going on. This went right past him. And so immediately Steve said, this is a fraud. So let's contact the attorney general's office at DCI. And if he comes in, we'll arrest him. Well, he called back a couple of days, said, Hey, I was thinking about it. I, I told a little fib, I didn't buy it. It was my uh, client. Well, ding, ding, ding. We, we knew that he was, he was lying to begin with. And that created the fraud under Iowa law. So we'd arrest him again. This was just Iowa. So uh, we waited a few days, see if he showed up, and he didn't show up, but he sent the ticket back to a lawyer in New York who then sent it to a lawyer in Iowa, and both of those groups were going to get $500,000, we found out later, if they could
0: cash the ticket. Oh, boy. So, so now you got Canada, New York, and Iowa that was in on this fraud, and they're sending the ticket around to each other to see who can get past you.
1: And it was just the start. It was just, you know, Iowa so far. So, you know, other lotteries are saying, hey, you know, don't, don't let this get out too much because we're an $80 billion industry. And if you mess this thing up, it's going to cost our industry integrity and possibly part of that $80 billion that goes for great causes across the U.S. So a lot of pressure from both sides. We wanted to make sure the game's fair and honest. Our governor kept saying, spend whatever you want, which, you know, for leadership and government, that's pretty big. Spend whatever you want to get this thing solved. So now the lawyer in New York has it and sends it to the per- people in the Des Moines, who bring it in an hour and a half before the ticket was to expire. Now think about that an hour and a half! Ding, ding, ding! Yeah,
0: because you know, the they only had, they had a year, in. right, to get this worked out, and they're yeah, 365
1: end. days. Yes, mm-hmm. and during this time, also we were getting probably 20 or 30 people who would come in and said, "Hey, well, wait a minute, that's uh, that's my ticket," or the clerk stole the ticket from me. Those kinds of things. And and I learned a couple of things when the New York lawyer came in, as you're looking, overseeing fraud. If you think there is a problem and there may be a a case or a trial down the road, I said, I need a visual because we're going before the press. Everybody's interested. Who has this money? What's going on? I held up the ticket and said, ladies and gentlemen, we have the ticket. And all of a sudden, I heard all of the media zoomed in on that ticket. Well, that was evidence. And now the people who didn't know the serial number, didn't know the date it was bought, didn't know whether it was a quick pick or a manual pick, now had everything with a high definition camera. So there's one little secret. If you think something might be evidence, don't put it out in front of the public.
0: Oh, so, so you inadvertently gave away some tips. Critical
1: information yeah. that we were trying to solve the case. But we still had the video. So we knew what the person looked like and what they sounded like. Well, uh, we denied the claim. And all of a sudden, the guy says, OK, I don't, uh, we don't want it because we don't want publicity. Well, ding, ding, so they just walked $16.5 million. You or I wouldn't, we wouldn't give up $16.5 million. we would find a way, wouldn't I? Yeah. <laughs> so they got scared. They gave up the money. And so the uh, DCI and the attorney general then took over the case and, uh, and really went strong as we supported them. I'm looking for what's happening. So you've got a guy in New York we have a person in Canada and we have three and a half years statute of limitations to try to figure out, if we can solve this case. It's still kind of a, Little state Iowa case, no big deal. And so the ticket itself was the big key to all of this. And so when they they finally got interviews with a guy in New York, because the trust name was, the trust was based in Belize that they wanted to uh, put the money into, ding, ding, ding. And the president of the trust was Philip Johnston, the name of the guy in Canada. So we knew those two were connected, New York and, and Quebec City, Canada.
0: And now Belize is in the mix. And that's a big haven for... Uh,
1: Holy smokes. Yeah. And we, we read all sorts of things. Again, in Canada, you know, SEC things that he had done. So uh, there's a very simple question. I hope you and I are never asked this. that The DCI asked gentlemen. Gentlemen, which one of you wants to be the witness and which wants to be the defendant? They both, oh. said, we both want to be the, wit- or the uh, witness. We don't want to be the defendant. So they told us that uh, they received the ticket from a gentleman in... Houston, Texas, a lawyer in Houston, Texas, whose client was named Robert Rhodes, and all of a sudden there was a big leap. Robert Rhodes and his lawyer were always gone when we went down to try to interview him. Of course, we're trying to say interstate deal, so we didn't have the FBI involved or any of that at this point, so case kind of went cold, and in these, because there are a lot of people who solved the case, um, or work on these cases, new people came in. and We got a new attorney general. We had three months left before the statute of limitations had run out. He said, let's release the video. That's the final piece of this. So we released the video, and ding, 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 we started getting calls. That's Eddie Tipton. That's Eddie Tipton. Whoa, that's Eddie Tipton. Well, it was Eddie's unlucky day when he went to buy the ticket because he he didn't realize three things. Number one, Iowa is not an anonymous state. You have to say who bought the ticket. There are seven, eight, nine states that do allow you to claim an Osborne, but Iowa's not one. So we kept saying we need to know who bought it. Second, he bought it in a convenience store that had both video and audio. Now, we have 2,400 retail stores in Iowa, and only four had audio along with video that they were recording. And lo and behold, that's how he was recognized, because he disguised himself, and the people who saw it listened to it. So, well, that's Eddie He tipped it.
0: Now, now, wait a minute. Let, let me back up here, because Eddie Tipton was your security guy, was he not?
1: No, Eddie Tipton was the security guy for the multi-state lottery, not the Iowa Oh, lottery.
0: okay. All right. Got so it, They're got the it.
1: organization, kind of like the bank depository. When you buy a Powerball hot lotto, all these lotto games, it all goes to an intergovernmental uh, company called okay. the multi-state lottery. And that's who he worked for. He was the head of security for that organization. Ah. So you can imagine that he's sitting there and he's hearing that we're doing this because that is that is actually based in Iowa. He's probably seen the news report and said, oh, my gosh, what's what's going on? So he didn't realize we had audio and video. And uh, when it was all said and done, you know, we had a pretty good indication. But when we heard Eddie Tipton and Bing, that's, that's an insider. And he's the person that programs the computer that draws the numbers. That's just too much coincidence. So that's how the ticket made it to the point that gave us that we had a leave for Eddie he was arrested and uh, and charged as was Robert Rhodes and uh, within eight months of the tr- with the trial he was found guilty because the jury said listen, if he programs the computer um, and his best friend wins he must be guilty so they found him guilty so the three stories of the ticket the hot dog and Bigfoot that's how the ticket came about to get him started but that's only in Iowa still
0: right but okay so let's let's talk about the hot dogs in Bigfoot (laughs) because uh I don't think you mentioned that and so the the hot dogs came up in the trial did they not
1: that's right so as Eddie's being convicted they decided to have a character witness and Eddie says well let's bring up a brother he's a he's a law enforcement and a justice of the peace in Texas he can give me a good character witness Remember I mentioned the two things that no one uh, couldn't claim anonymous and that he was in a store, only four stores had audio out of 2,400 and he was unlucky enough to go to an audio and that's what, what identified him. But the third thing he did, I mean, Eddie's a good, I, I don't, you know, you don't want to disparage him on size, but he's between three and 400 pounds is my best. Yeah, man.
0: he's a big guy.
1: He picked up two, two hot dogs as part of his purchase. And so when they brought up during the, when he was being found guilty on this first charge. They brought up the uh, uh, his brother and his brother said that can't be my brother uh, uh, he, he, he bought hot dogs Eddie ain't no hot dog guy well everybody looked boom guy that weighs 300 pounds isn't a hot dog guy you know and they just, you, get <laughs> you know you're not trying to get anybody but The Associated Press thought it was so funny they put it out on the national wire mm-hmm. that being on the national wire went back to Fortonio, Texas where to, uh, Tommy Tipton, and Eddie's brother lived. And there was an FBI or a federal agent that lived there. He said, "Wait a minute! Ten years ago, I investigated that guy for money laundering, and he said that he he got the money that he had all this cash from a uh, uh, from a Colorado lottery. I better call that up." So he calls up to Rob Sand, who did a phenomenal job. All all the investigators uh, did, but Rob Sand came in late and released the video. But he he was uh, just phenomenal. Let's say, "Hey, you better check Tommy too." So. If Eddie hadn't bought the hot dogs, one, we'd have never solved this case. And if Tommy hadn't gotten on the stand and it got back to Texas, so the FBI agent called and said, you better check Tommy, too, uh, with that. But what that did was broke this thing wide open as, as a federal case. So now we knew it with Eddie and Tommy and Robert Rhodes. Now, what do you suppose the first thing that cops do? You probably know this in fraud busting. So if you're ever doing a fraud, if you're watching us to try to learn what to do to try to avoid it, don't use social media because we immediately could connect Eddie Tipton and Robert Rhodes because they both had their social media wide open. You know, where some of us just put friends or more private, had a wide open. So we all of a sudden realized Eddie Tipton worked for Robert Rhodes uh, before he went to work for the multi-state lottery. So ding, 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 that's how we got it all together. So then what did we do? We grabbed Tommy's social media, uh, Facebook, LinkedIn, and cell phone records. And we could tell when they were talking, the days that tickets were won and how much more they talked during those days. In some cases, where they were standing. And so all oh, three wow. of them came together. And uh, then guess what? The three of them are asked. You wanna be the witness or you wanna be the defendant?
0: Yeah, yeah. And so- the first
1: one to say I'll be a defendant was Robert Rhodes. And then we got all the information to give us the smoking gun information to ultimately find five jackpots across the United States.
0: Wow. Okay. So then let's go back to um, like all these clues are adding up and just the unusualness of the hot dogs. It was, was a big tip because that, that's really when it got to be a much bigger, more wide, widely publicized case. So now how did Bigfoot play into this whole <laughs> fraud situation?
1: i say that one more time.
0: How did, how did Bigfoot play into this whole fraud situation?
1: So now that we are into and we're checking everything with Tommy, because Tommy was, of course, based in Texas and loved to hunt. We, we uh, did a press conference that we had announced. That we're just checking all the winners across America and cross-tabbing those against all of the friends on Facebook, LinkedIn, and their cell phones. Oh,
0: wow. Okay. And
1: that's how we figured out the names. Once we saw a name that a jackpot was one of those states, all that. Well, as we did, that, we went in and we had started to have the press conference Say we're going to do this. And the uh, Rob Sand and the DCI, Department of Criminal Investigation, they're giggling in the back room. I mean, this is serious. We're, we're talking big t- To me, I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, you know, we're about going international television here. What are you laughing about? They said, you can't believe this. Tommy was a Bigfoot hunter. Tommy loved to hunt Bigfoot. And, in fact, he recruited the guy to cash in the ticket in Colorado. By, by uh, he, he was a Bigfoot hunter together with Tommy. And he went out and got the money, won the money, he kept 10%, We gave Tommy. Tommy said, hey, I, I think I may be, this, is, as I understand it, I may be uh, divorcing my wife, so I want it in cash. Gave it to him in sequential bills. And when he oh. gave it to him in sequential bills, Tommy said, oh, I better do something with this. So he went to a fireworks dealer to kind of launder it, you know, so wouldn't, he wouldn't have sequential bills. And the fireworks dealer got scared and contacted the federal agent, which, of course, contacted us down the road. So if he hadn't had a Bigfoot hunter friend, he would have been troubled. But the funny part of all of that is, when the FBI interviewed him to find out about Colorado, he had just broken a whole bunch of bones by falling out of a tree stand, either in Louisiana or Texas, <laughs> hunting Bigfoot. And so he's a little bit <laughs> under the morphine grip and spilled his guts of, hey, I want a I Colorado lottery. So.
0: Oh man, so, so this whole thing, it really, you all ended up uh, unraveling this whole thing just piece by piece because it took several years um, to to get it, it all. It
1: took almost eight yeah. years. Now, very few of us, when we get, when you talk about fraud, and, and you know, every state, every little every little town, every little county, uh, every school district that maybe only has one or two people uh, writing the P.O.s and signing the checks are fraught for you know are, are, are you know. Big time, uh, you, you got to watch for fraud. You have to have the checks and balances. And as we looked at this whole case, you know, it was an $80 billion gamble because we did that, but we got closure. Very few people get closure because usually in a murder, in a, in a major assault case, it's appealed all the way to the state and sometimes the U.S. Supreme Court. And so you always wonder, you know, we go back to the $80 billion gamble. Did we hurt the lotteries? By bringing up the right thing to do by going after this, because some said just pay it, you know, he'd still be doing it today if we paid it. But because of the uh, of the fraud no, wait, hang of, on, hang we, on,
0: back back up a little bit. They said he'd still be doing it today if, if you paid.
1: If we hadn't, if we hadn't paid, if we haven't busted him, if, if oh, if you just
0: paid the jackpot, okay. Yeah, Rob okay. Sand
1: and all these folks had not done that. Uh, you know, he probably would still be doing it today when it's all said and done because. He had the code there, all he needed to do, he had an ATM, he had a duplicate computer beside him, all he had to do was just pull pull those numbers out. But we got closure because the evidence and the backup and the all the people that worked on this, it wasn't obviously just me, Rob Sand, uh, Tom Miller, all the, all the lottery staff, all the DCI staff. It was a combination and it was so strong that Robert Rhodes flipped right away and when we had that information and we found the numbers in uh, 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 for in one of the computers, we could see why the code was. Then immediately the other two pleaded guilty too. And they all, uh, Robert Rhodes got uh, probation as part of his deal. Tommy Tipton went for 52 or 58 days because he had a family. And Eddie said, I'll take the rap. And he's in for up to 25 years in prison.
0: Got it. Okay. So, so you've, you, you're, you're kind of the, the unicorn in that you ended up with closure on this, on this thing. Yeah. Now, that's a big how, deal. How much lottery fraud do you think there really is going on these days? Because, I mean, there's a lot of states that hand out a lot, a lot of money.
1: I, you know, it, no matter what kind of business you're in, if you're making money, if you have big money, there's somebody trying to figure out a way to scam the system. So it's it's like the computer. I put a new, new uh, patch on every couple of weeks, so they automatically do it for me. But right. somebody's found a way to bust in, so they put a new patch on. Well, the same thing with the lottery or any other business. Uh, we changed a lot of things in the industry. We demanded that uh, you know that Eddie programmed the computer, he compiled the computer, he serviced the computer. You can't have the same person doing everything. It's back like writing the POs and signing. The have checks separation. With the same person in a small school district, so uh, we a lot of that was changed. But they continue to look for ways and modifications to make sure there's a lot of separation of duties now. Somebody said, "Well, why not use computers? See, Powerball uses balls, so that seems a lot safer, right?" As does uh, uh, computers. But in 1980, balls were frauded in Pennsylvania. They u- they were using balls, and somebody took a needle and put a little bit of paint, uh, latex paint, and put it in uh, all balls, but twos and fours, and then bought those combinations. It ultimately became a movie called uh, uh, Lucky Numbers with John Travolta and Lisa Kudrow. Um, but you know, balls have been uh, have been. In India or talk Milan, they had the uh, nieces and nephews drawing the balls or kids drawing the balls. that blindfold them. What they did was they would heat the balls or cool the balls down or shave them off and tell them, "Hey, just take the cold ones or whatever." Uh, Even even the casinos, uh, when you talk uh, uh, random number generators, uh, there was a big fraud in the late '90s uh, for casinos for for slot machines because a guy figured out the algorithm and, and did that. So. Every day, you've got to be cautious. Every day, you've got to look. But the separation of duties is my bottom line and, and what to watch for as you're, as you're looking for a fraud. And I I, I can now play the lottery because I don't work for the lottery, and I haven't won. So that might tell you as little as if I knew how to win, uh, I would do that. But it truly is random. And the billions and billions of draws that happen each year across the uh, across the world, uh, you know, I can only point to five instances, that, five or six instances that have this kind of, Impact and Eddie's was one of the biggest ones, or was the biggest one, as they claim it in in the U.S.
0: Wow. Okay, so so our lotteries, we got a pretty good chance of uh, uh, safety there and not fraud, but uh, also here's very, thing, very though, low you know, chance of winning. <laughs> that,
1: that's right. The, the, here's the other thing: if you if you uh, play the lottery or a casino that's in your state, you know who's running it. So if you think something's wrong, you can talk to a legislator, a governor, the person. If you're playing poker on the internet with Milan. You have no idea who you're playing with or what their uh, regulations or anything else. There's, it's not as public. So I'm a believer in in state-run gaming as as this is, and and I think it's the fairest way for everybody to uh, to play.
0: Got it. Okay. So, what other lessons can we take from this as far as how to spot fraud right under your nose?
1: Um, if it doesn't feel right, you know, it's, I keep saying ding, ding, ding. It just kept, if something didn't feel right, you, you want to say something and, and investigate it. That's not so much to say that everybody that's mad at somebody can just be a whistleblower and it's automatically done type thing. It's that if you see something, say something. I also learned in a lot of research that I use in the, when I do presentations about the national fraud uh, uh, group that talk about a pyramid, the three things that you, you have to be careful of in looking for internal fraud because hacking is the big thing. Everybody's worried about hacking today, but internal fraud is just as big, if not bigger than an external fraud. Number one, financial need, financial desire, which means everybody wants more money when you work for somebody, but usually it's a gaming problem, an alcohol problem, a divorce, a credit card problem that tips people over the edge of thinking, no wonder I handle this money in my organization. How can I take it? But the second one is opportunity. So if, Again, you write the checks and write the POs. You've got all the keys of the kingdom. Eddie Tipton had all the keys of the kingdom for this lottery draw machine. Um, then if you feel the financial need, you have all the opportunities. Both of those uh, are there. Now, there are a lot of people who have both of those in their lives that don't steal from an organization because of the third element of that triangle. That third element is Rationale. And that's the rationalization. That's probably the hardest one to oversee because you can take the opportunity away. And that's really the key is separation of duties and the financial need. You can't control people, employees, and what's happening sometimes in their home life. But rationalization usually comes. If you see people who are working all weekends, they never take a vacation. That's a huge, huge uh, red flag. Or they just feel that I'm taking advantage of, I deserve this. Or, you know, I, I need to do this because my family thinks I'm doing well and I'm not, and I don't want to disappoint them. The rationalization is the hardest one, I think, as an employer to oversee. The other two are pretty easy. Get the checks and balances in place and uh, just watch if you hear somebody's got financial problems that they're controlling your money to, uh, to keep an eye on.
0: Got it. So so was this guy, Eddie, was he smart or was he dumb? Like, what? do you know what his – did you get to talk to him at all?
1: I think Eddie was smart, but then he got greedy. And if you get by with it once, and then there's an opportunity of uh, he need a little more money. When he started it, it was because his brother and he wanted to have a little bit of money because he was, I think he was having marital problems, as, as I recall the story. And he was helping him, and then Eddie took some of the money and started building a house, and then he started building a bigger house, and he needed some more, so he got a second one. And then ours was the ultimate biggest one of all, and he, he was unlucky enough to walk into the wrong store on the wrong day in the wrong state
0: exactly um so then uh let's see let's see so what about um let's talk about the culture of a organization right where where fraud could just happen at at any point um what kind of culture is uh, is like a low risk high reward kind of person gonna succeed in um or or that that they that they see that you know there isn't uh a risk here um i tell the story
1: that, it's it's much like uh well it, 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 character counts is a, a national organization kids that are getting hired today and they ask them you know where's your where's your money or you know have you ever stolen from a friend you ever lied to a parent all that you know most of them had majority of people have done all that when they ask them how do you think your character is they said oh i've got the greatest character ever so you know, when you walk into an organization, if you take some paperclips home, or do you take a ream of paper because you need it home, you know, or do you drive a company car because you need to go get your kid after you are in the car and you need to go get a child, you know, because they got a baseball practice and you're running late. All of those, each of those are, are fraud but not quite there yet. And so once you get by with it a little bit and you get by with more and then you get back to the rationalization, something in your life. I've hired a lot of people who have just been phenomenal. I had an 18 year employee who was great, but then sent a kid to college and had all sorts of credit card debt and just thought, you know, taking a few extra lottery tickets, knew how to do it kind of, uh, but got busted. You know, Eddie got greedy. He was smart, but he got greedy.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hear that a lot with the banks and credit unions that I work with. It's the people that you trust the most, they're your best employees, and then they have a little trouble. And they say, "Oh, you know, I'll, I'll pay it back on Friday, right? right. Like, like that kind of stuff." So, or they
1: and, and the people once they're busted, I think you'd agree. Most of the of the CEOs would say, "That's the last person I'd ever expect."
0: Yep. And
1: that's you know, that's why you want to keep your eyes open. Uh, I guess, uh, I guess, through all of that.
0: Well, yeah, there's there's a delicate balance between being so suspicious that you can't get anything done, to understanding that uh, you know. You, you do need to pay more attention than maybe what people think you're paying attention. So you, so you do see those signs and start to add things up.
1: I've got one more that I thought was really interesting too. As the CEO, I, and I've been CEO of three different big companies in the last 25 years. I always said, well, yeah, we had the external auditors come in and uh, everything's fine. So we got a clean audit. Uh, they call it unqualified today. As a marketer, I don't know why they call it unqualified. I just say, it's so a good audit. It's clean audit. And so, you know, everything's fine. Nothing's happening here. But the number one place to find internal fraud is not the external auditor. It's the employees, vendors, and anonymous tips. So as an organization, I suggest having, you know, an easy way, usually the HR. If it doesn't feel right, say something to that. It isn't like you're going to get, you know, it's not just to get people in trouble, but just to keep your eyes open. The last on the list, after management, internal audits, all those sort of thing is the external auditor about six or 7% of all internal fraud is found by the external auditor. It's just a check and balance to make sure your numbers add up correctly when it's all said and done. But that's why it's important to have employees, everybody watching because you're messing with your own reputation, just like we were messing uh, with the industry's reputation of should people play if they think there's any kind of fraud.
0: Exactly. Now, did you see any shift in uh, sales, like based on the, the fraud? and? Uh... So
1: how did the gamble come out is what you're asking? Yeah. Okay. Well, it was a gamble. And again, if I think he was found innocent or we hadn't solved the case and people, you know, he, we'd had all sorts of problems. Uh, but throughout the time, every time that we had a news report in our state about the, and there were tons of them and tons yeah. of national, international, our sales increased, and in the last three years, the lottery industry has gone from seventy-eight to eighty billion dollars, with a B, to uh, almost eighty-five to ninety billion dollars. So it's actually increased, and I think part of that is they're saying, "Well, they weren't going to let this happen. They they dogged it for seven years, and they solved it. So they must be watching. That must be fairer than you know what I'm doing if I'm playing again back with the online poker in a in a foreign country or something." So. I wow. think the the gamble was well worth it. And I think that it uh, it helped although many it was a rough road internally because of the worry that if we were wrong or we were doing it just for fun or for publicity that we were going to hurt this uh, this industry.
0: Wow. So showing the public that you guys were all about integrity and trying to get to the bottom of it really paid off in like multiple zeros <laughs> before yeah. the decimal point. It did yeah and oh, and
1: that. uh it also paid off and every night i go to bed knowing we did the right thing and yeah you know if if it hadn't if it had gone sideways i'd lost my job we you know a lot of things would have happened and it'd have been it'd have been a tough road to hope
0: yeah it's it it is it sounds like a rough road but it really paid off so good for you for sticking with it and doing what's right and i think um all of us that like to play the lottery i play every so often um thanks you for that cause, um, now I know when I'm not winning, it's legit.
1: And of course, not just me, <laughs> but all, all the folks that did it. it. It truly does take a team and a lot of folks in, but I, I feel comfortable to say that uh, I think it's as fair and honest uh, as anything you can play for sure.
0: Good deal, love it, love it. Well, thank you, Terry, so much. And uh, oh, where can people find you and where can they get your book? Uh,
1: the uh, website, pretty easy, terryspeaks.com. T-E-R-R-Y, terryspeaks.com and uh, the book is available on amazon audible and ebooks kindle uh and uh, it's fun it's a complicated story as you as you've heard so i always recommend if you do get the book there's two pages in the back that has a cast of characters because there's a lot of names in in the book and it repeats itself a little bit to try to try to keep it clear but check out those two pages and have them handy as you're reading it. but enjoy it's a it's a crazy story and i think you'll see at least a few more uh television shows that i think that are going to be done in the next few uh months and possibly a movie down the road
0: we'll see oh very cool well we will look for you on the silver screen make sure you go and get the 80 billion dollar gamble at, at amazon and christmas is coming so it's hey, the perfect, yeah. it's the perfect gift and uh we will see everybody next time thanks for joining me Make sure you subscribe to this podcast, rate and review it. I'll see you next time.